stretch forth, break forth, increase me, enlarge my territory. God has us in a season now where God is calling us to see bigger, dream bigger, and think bigger than we ever have. Part of what God is doing at this moment is God has to pull out of us all small thinking. Any small dream, any small idea, any idea of limitation that you have been living with, God first has to remove it from you so that he can bring you into the real identity he has given you. God created no one for brokenness. He did not create you for rejection. He did not create you for woundedness. He did not create you to stay in the place where we were living before. God created you to reign, to rule, to overcome, to release his kingdom in all places wherever you go. For wherever you breathe, you release the kingdom. The kingdom is not what you do, it's who you are. Just by being alive. The kingdom of God is moving around you. You are thunder in a house. You are lightning in a bottle. You are a storm waiting to happen. You are revival on purpose. You are God's chosen vehicle to invade the earth continually and produce the kingdom. God has no other way to transform the earth but through you. So... I don't know what you're ready for. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be good. <laughs> I want to talk just for a few minutes. Not going to be long because I, I have leftover barbecue in my room. I had planned to minister a good while tonight, but I smelled the barbecue when I was leaving my room. And it spoke unto me. <laughs> You know, you're not biblical unless you eat meat. So I pray for some of you vegetarians. How you make it through life, I don't know. But may the Lord have mercy upon you. The Bible says heaven smells like meat. Ooh, ooh, I lost some of you, I lost some of you. The Bible says whenever they had a burnt offering, God smelled the offering. So God liked the smell of meat. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just saying, for all the Bible students, that was good for you. For the rest of you, you'll get saved. So we're going to go forward. (laughs) I was praying the other day, and I asked the Lord, for the hour that we're in and what you're speaking, talk to me. The Lord said, I'm calling my people into a place of having open ears and ready lips. We don't often realize the level of what God does is God does nothing unless he speaks. Everything God does, he does with a word. From the time that creation began, God worked by declaring. When God was by himself and there was nothing. You know, when God was by himself, he was not alone. (laughs) For everything that existed, existed in him. So God knew us before we knew him. Mm. So God was alone, but not alone, in a place called nothing that had to be something because he was there. (laughs) Have you ever thought about the fact that 
If God is there, then that's the place. If God speaks, that's the word. If God moves, that's the revival. Wherever God is becomes royalty because wherever a king sits down becomes a throne. So wherever God takes up residence becomes a palace. Wherever God decrees, he changes the law. God is the kingdom. The kingdom came out of God. So if God is in you, you are not who you used to be, for he has made you now a house of living stones. If God decrees over your life, your life becomes a living epistle because you are not a story of brokenness. You become a testimony of redemption. If God lifts his hand over your life, then you are now a son of God and a daughter of destiny because the hand of God takes you from being normal to becoming supernatural. If God puts a promise inside of you, then death itself cannot stop you because life is inside of your vessel. If we would recognize the power of the kingdom moving into us, we would talk different. Think different. Dream different. So the battle is how we see what God has done in us. Ah. If you fully perceive that what God has done in you has given you the power of a new kingdom, the voice of resurrection, the authority of dominion, the rights of ownership, the truth of power beyond this world. You never again look for what you already have. To continually look for a blessing means you don't believe you own it. Ah. To continually look for revival means you don't think you're it. (laughs) We must begin to believe that what God said to us is true. That we carry resurrection power. Now, God begins everything by speaking. So now, let me just, I'm going to preach until my calories are gone. When I burn through, we're done. We're done. If I'd eaten more, I'll preach longer. But when I finish the calories, we stop. God is by himself talking to himself. And God says, it's not good until I make someone like me. So I'm going to make someone in my image and in my likeness because I need family. I'm going to create the idea of family first by making someone who looks like me so that I can have face-to-face communication because I want to reproduce continually my own image. He made man in his image and his likeness. Now God makes us and when God makes Adam, Adam is laying in the dirt. The Bible says God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Can you imagine that when God breathed into Adam, Adam opens his eyes and the first face he sees is God. From the beginning of creation, we were made to have intimacy with the Father. We were made to be eye to eye, nose to nose, mouth to mouth. We were made to look into his face and see our own reflection through redemption. We were made to be nose to nose, to smell the breath of the Almighty, that when he breathed out, we breathe in. That when he exhales revelation, we give him worship. That when we release worship, he releases divine encounters. That when we speak praise, he releases breakthrough. That when we speak his word, he sends transformation. That he breathes out, we breathe in for eternity. 
eternity, there is a constant transference of supernatural power. God says if the church would breathe out, then God would release. Oh, what would happen if you spent every day exhaling worship? What would happen if you spent every day exhaling praise? If no worry came across your lips, but when bad reports come, God, I bless your name. When trouble knocks on your door, behold, the Lord is with me. When everything goes wrong, I worship you, almighty God. If you keep exhaling worship, he lives in the praises of his people. So God begins to inhabit the space you give him, which means you can have as much of God as you make room for. So if you don't yet have enough of him in your life, get rid of something and invite him in. (laughs) He only lives in the room you give him. He only lives in the place you build. God says, if you give me space, I'll fill it. God is a never-ending, ever-growing relationship. He will dwell in the place you make for him. Now, God sees Adam, and he breathes into him. Adam now looks in the face of God. Adam now begins to understand that his relationship with God is not only divine and intimate, but it is continually to reproduce what God has done. What did Adam see God do? Talk. All God did with Adam was talk. God created nothing in front of Adam. Everything was created when Adam was made. God did not explode new stars for Adam to see. He saw the stars that God had made. He did not create new oceans for Adam to behold. The oceans were already there. The only thing that Adam saw continually when he walked with God was the voice of God in the cool of the day. So God created man to encounter the prophetic continually. The voice of God in the cool of the day. 12 hours to encounter the prophetic, 12 hours to walk it out. Mm. So that your life becomes Adam. As you are walking in the presence of God, you live out the cycles of revelation and manifestation, revelation and manifestation, so that you become, like in the image of God, one who becomes convinced that the word of God will produce, one who begins to desire his word more than life, one who understands whatever he says becomes my reality. Now, God says to Adam, now that you've walked with me, I've got to give you someone. For it is not good that man should be alone. God makes Eve. We're just going on a little journey. Is this okay for tonight? God makes Eve. He says, Adam, here's Eve. Adam looks at her and goes, whoa, man. That's where we get woman from. God gives Adam a wife. Now, what has Adam seen God do? Walk and talk. Walk and talk. God says, Adam, all I need you to do with Eve is walk and talk. Walk with her in the day. I'll be back to talk to both of you tonight. Now, what is your job? Walk with her and tell her what I've told you before she got here. 
So what did that create? The first church. (laughs) So we have family and church made for two reasons. Revelation and manifestation. Moses on the mountain, revelation, manifestation. Jesus continually with the disciples, revelation, I do nothing I've seen, I only do what my Father has done, manifestation. Now we walk out in the day, what I saw Father reveal at night. Jesus brings back in the garden of prayer what Adam experienced in the garden of life. Now we see the last Adam complete what the first Adam lost. Revelation and manifestation. Adam is walking in the garden and all Adam had to do was do what God did. God named Adam, God named Eve. He called them both Adam. So what was Adam's job? To walk and talk. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. God says, Adam, I've been teaching this. This transformed me a few months ago. God spoke this to me. He says, Adam, now you go into the garden. Whatever you name them, I'll call them too. Adam walks into the garden and Adam starts looking around and he sees this horse with a long neck. He says, huh, giraffe. God says, okay. He sees a horse that's black and white. He goes, zebra. God goes, okay. He sees this thing that looks like a great big cow with a big mouth coming up out of the water. Hippopotamus. God goes, okay. He sees this strange looking furry thing with a bill and can't tell if it's a duck or a small bear with attitude. Platypus. Okay. Whatever Adam named it, God agreed. So now we begin to understand that the power of the kingdom is God says, since I gave you the authority to name it, whatever you call it, I will agree. Ah. Now God gives us the word of God, the promises, the authority of the kingdom, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the power to overcome, and we overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. God says, whatever you call it, I'll agree. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Here's the right choice, but whatever you call it, I'll agree. God says, I've healed you by my stripes. I've delivered you by my power. I've made you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I've set you as the first and not the last. I've given you dominion over territory in the atmosphere and territory on the ground. I've commanded wealth to find you, health to be in your body, wisdom to rest in your mind. I give you peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've given you titles, authorities, thrones, and dominion. I've put the devil underneath your feet for our God shall soon crush Satan underneath your feet. I've given you the right to decree. I've even told death to obey you when you speak resurrection. I've told sickness to flee from before you. I've told poverty to break when you sow a seed. I've told problems in your mind to let go when you speak the word. Everything is connected to what comes out of your mouth, but whatever you call it, I'll agree. 
It's not enough to know what the word says. You've got to say it like you believe it. God says, whatever you call it, I'll agree. My first question for you is, what are you calling yourself? Mm. What are you calling your future? What are you saying about what God has already spoken? I believe God is reminding us because life fights you for your words. Every battle in your life is a battle for your words. Every fight that goes on in your mind and in your family is a fight for your words. Here's what the enemy knows. He cannot stop the power of God. He cannot cripple you from believing God. He cannot convince you that God is not real. So he will get you to talk yourself out of your own faith. If we're not careful, we will slowly but surely talk ourselves out of destiny. Ah. Have you ever heard yourself? I, I know, I know. We spend so much time analyzing everybody else. But have you really ever listened to you? Pastor, I've had days where I heard myself and it took me a few hours to catch up with my own hearing. And I thought, did I say that? Is that what came out of my mouth? After all I know God can do, did I just say that? Mm. It's amazing how a bad report can create a bad conversation. The battle is for our words. Why am I focused on this? I believe in this hour and specifically there's a grace over this house. Where God is raising up a level of authority through what we speak. An apostolic prophetic people that can speak over their cities and decree transformation. Speak a change into government. Decree new levels of encounter in education. Break the back of rates of recidivism. Speak to lives that have been lost and destroyed by the power of the enemy and call them into reconciliation and cry over them. You are called by God from your mother's womb. And it doesn't matter what you've done before you met Jesus, but his word has been hunting you down. You are going to be greater than your past. And I prophesy, we've got to speak to a generation. We've got to talk to them like we don't see their failure. We've got to speak their future. We've got to talk to them until they believe what we're saying. Because our job is not to, now hear me when I say this. Our job is not to get them to believe God right away. Our job is to get them to believe us. Then through us, they will encounter God. Ah. Our job is not to get them to believe God right away. Our job is to get them to believe us. People will not believe what you say. They will believe the love you show them. We have to convince them to believe us by getting them to trust our love. So we have to love them continually and talk to them face to face until they begin to trust 
that what we say is not hyperbole. We're not just saying the next Christian pat on the back. We're not just speaking to them to get them to like us, but we're talking to them because we see them in their future deep enough and far enough that I'm going to walk with you till you trust me. And if you ever trust me, I'm going to tell you who you really are. I'm going to tell you that you're better than where you came from. I'm going to tell you you're an overcomer. I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter what family you came out of, God created you to win. I'm going to tell you that God had his hand on you, and while people were trying to destroy you, God was trying to keep you alive. I'm going to tell you that your future is better than your past, and if you could ever breathe long enough to let go of the pain, you're going to wake up one day and kill every giant that ever stood against you. I'm going to tell you what God said. Because if I can get you to believe I love you, you're going to trust my words one day. That's how the power of the prophetic really works. We have to convince a generation we love them well enough that they hold our words long enough to change. Change comes when someone holds your word long enough that it breaks the cycle in their mind. It cannot affect them mentally if they throw your words away too quickly. You can say what God said, but it will not affect them because they have not given you permission to change them. But if we love folk well enough, if we walk beside them in their pain, if we look them in the eye in their loss, if we stand with them in the middle of the trouble, and we say to them, you might not believe me yet, but I'm going to love you until you do. Eventually, they go, I'll trust you. And if you ever trust the word, ah, it's going to work on the inside of you. Just follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. So we had one job. Adam, talk. He starts naming stuff. Now, where did the trouble come in? The trouble comes in when there's a new conversation inside of the atmosphere. The wrong conversation will produce a different destiny. The wrong conversation will produce a different destiny. You will only be what you believe. You will only believe what you think. You can only think what you hear. So what you hear creates what you think. What you think creates what you believe. What you believe creates who you are. We can never be more than what we think. And you can never be less than what you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the key to a different life is a different thought. The key to a different thought is a different word. You cannot think different till you hear different. The enemy recognized this, so he says the only way to corrupt man from becoming exactly like what God has made them to be, to have dominion, is to get in their ears. If I can get in their ears and get them to meditate on the wrong thing long enough, the wrong idea produces a new belief system. A new belief system creates the wrong realm of authority. You give away your authority to whatever you believe. Mm. You give away your authority to whatever you believe. Whoever you believe, you yield to. If you believe God, you yield to him. 
If you believe fear, you yield to it. If you believe trouble, you yield to it. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is moving, you yield to him. Whoever you truly believe, you yield your strength to and you follow. So we know what you believe by who you yield to. Mm. We can say we have faith, but if you're always worried, you yield it to worry, not to faith. So you believe in the report of the doctor or the trouble or the bill more than God. Because worry is reverse worship. <laughs> worry is reverse worship. Worry is worshiping the bad so much that it becomes your conversation. It is your meditation and your conversation. It is the only thing that you've given right to in your mind. Ah. If praise is upon your lips, worry is not in your heart. If worry is on your lips, faith is not moving. You can only move at the speed of your agreement. You can move no quicker than your faith. The moment you agree, your season changes. Now, I'm almost done. Is this helping anybody? Is this okay for tonight? Because the power of our words are so important and because God created us to be declarers and speaking people, God is God and there is no other. So God designs that everything in creation, he could have done it a different way. We could have, if God had chosen to, verse 1 of Genesis could have been in the beginning God, and then it says he waved his hand. It does not. In the beginning, God tapped his foot twice, and the stars exploded from his toes. It doesn't say that. In the beginning, God spun around the throne three times, and from the edges of the throne, the universe began. It doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning, God said. So the nature of God is to speak. The vehicle of God is his word. The mode that he operates by is manifestation from his word. Therefore, God created us to be speaking people because he is a speaking God. He designed us to be people who create by our words and live in the manifestation of what we speak. This is why Proverbs tells us that a man will eat the fruit of his own words, that we will live in what we create by our words, that we are snared by our words, that our words have power. Now, why is this important? If God is a speaking God, we know that God is a speaking God because in John chapter 1, before Jesus was Jesus, he called himself Word. In the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that is made. In him was life and the life was the light of the world. Now we understand that the light of explosion, the light of creation, the light of revelation came out of the very Word. So when God spoke, the word began to create. 
The word began to create. The word is so powerful. It cannot return void or empty to God. The word goes throughout the earth looking for opportunity to manifest. The word will sit over a generation for 40 years looking for one person to believe. The word will sit in the middle of a tomb waiting for three days to pass because the word is so powerful. It explodes out of darkness and manifests revelation. The word is so great. It'll sit inside of the bones of a dead man waiting for someone to be thrown and they threw a dead man on top of the prophet and he came back to life because the word is like fire shut up in my bones the word the word the word the word works if you work it now the word is so powerful inside of you when you begin to speak the word cancer and tumors inside your body, but you begin to say, by his stripes, I am healed. I know what God is for. And the word begins to work on the inside of you. And the word begins to tell tumors, you don't have right inside this temple. And the word begins to say to cancer cells, you got to move out of here. And the word begins to speak. And the word spoken over your children begins to hover and follow them. And while they're smoking something or drinking something or in the wrong place, the word is sitting behind them going they've been praying for you so you got a little bit longer you got a little time but soon as for me in my house that's the word over you I've got to bring you back into the the word the word the word the word the word begins to chase down what belongs to you for when the thief is found he must repay sevenfold so it doesn't matter who stole from you it doesn't matter how they took it it doesn't matter how they attacked your name one day the word will lift you up above your enemies and make them your footstool all you got to do is keep believing and the word will work. So if you believe that his word cannot return void, you've got to let your mouth match your miracle. Don't let your mouth mess up your future. Too many of us pray the right way and then talk crazy. Oh, oh, I know nobody in this room. I know I'm not talking nobody, nobody, nobody. But too many of us, we pray with power and we leave the place of prayer and one person calls you. That one person who never gives you any good news. The one person, the one, the one, you know, you know, don't turn and look, don't give it away. Don't look to your left or to your right. I don't want no fights in church. We didn't bring no band-aids. But you've got to realize <laughs> who you listen to creates conversation. Conversation creates momentum. I move forward based on the agreement I find in others. If you surround yourself with the right people that believe the word of God and trust the Holy Spirit, they will not agree with you when you start talking crazy. You need friends who will tell you, now, no, 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 no. God said he's going to heal you. Don't start talking crazy. God said your family's going to be okay. I'm not going to agree with you. I know you're having a bad day, but I can't agree with you. I need to let you know for some of you, sympathy will kill people. People don't need sympathy. They need faith. I had a woman called me. She was dying of cancer. She called me and she said, I need prayer. I said, I'm going to pray for you. She said, I just feel like today is my last day. I said, well, it's not. I just feel so bad. I said, yeah, I know. You said you're sick with cancer. She said, well, I said, wait, wait, wait. Did you call me for conversation or for healing? 
I said, my job is not to commiserate. My job is to tell cancer to get out of your body. I said, and too many people have sympathized with you and you haven't gotten healed. I said, so right now I need you to talk to you. She said, what do you mean? I need you, like you've talked to yourself the last three hours telling yourself how bad you feel, throwing yourself a pity party. I need you to open your mouth and tell you that's enough. She said, oh, okay. I said, I don't hear you. She said, you mean out loud? I said, out loud. I need to hear you talk to you. She said, well, that sounds crazy. I said, no crazier than you talking in your mind. We talk ourselves into broken places. Now we have to talk ourselves into places of health. She put the phone on speakerphone and I heard her and she started walking around. I could hear her footsteps. She didn't say anything the first 20 seconds. I said, hello, hello, hello. (laughs) She said, give me a minute, pastor, give me a minute. I said, start talking. She said, I'm going to be healed. I said, no, 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 no. You're talking to me. I said, talk to you. She stopped. She said, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed today. You know what? I'm sick of you. I said, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) But that's what she needed. All of a sudden, she realized she had given herself the right to die. Mm. We have to be careful that we don't let other people tell us why we should be okay in our position, in our condition. People had talked to her so long about understanding her pain that they had made it okay for her to stay there. And she began to change her conversation. Remember, Jesus asked this question. What do you want? That's a crazy question. You're standing in front of me. Dude, I'm crippled. I'm hanging by the water. I want a healing. What's wrong with you? You're supposed to be the rabbi. And you asking crazy questions. Why? Because many of us don't even know what top desire sits in our heart. And until someone asks you the right question face to face, we don't realize I actually haven't wanted what I thought I wanted. I was saying the right thing in church, but what I really wanted in my heart was just somebody to walk with me. I never even thought about being healed. I just wanted somebody to be with me in my pain. Jesus said, I need to know what do you want right now? You need a healing, but what do you want? You need a deliverance, but what do you want? You need a miracle, but what do you want? Because whatever you want is what's going to manifest. So I need to know, have you made up in your mind 
that in the presence of Almighty God, there is one thing sitting at the top of your heart that you have set your faith, your will, and your desire that while I am in the presence of God, I will absolutely be transformed in this moment that today is the day sickness dies. Today is the day fear leaves me. Today is the day cancer gets out of my body. Today is the day that brokenness gets out of Today is the day I have set my faith and the time is now in the presence of God. So God, I don't know what you're doing for everybody else, but today, me and you about to have a conversation. Your word is real for me. So I'm telling you today, I believe you. Jesus said, tell me what you want. Their heart shifted in that moment. He stopped saying, I have no one to carry me. I don't need to know about your past. I have nobody here. I don't need to know about your relationships. Nobody has carried me. I don't need to know what they did to you. I need to know now that you see Jesus in front of you, what do you want? Don't live in the past pain of what everybody else didn't do. When Jesus is standing face to face with you, he doesn't need to hear what people did. He is the almighty, the I am that I am. The one true and living God. He says, I've come to encounter you. Don't waste the encounter living in the past. Faith is now. Move into it. Oh my goodness. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Now here's the amazing part. God says, because he's waiting to hear what comes out of your mouth. When what you say agrees with what he said. He makes time release what belongs to you. Ah, Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah, yes. What do you see? I see the rod of an almond tree. Thou hast well seen. I will hasten my word to perform it. God talks to a man and he asks the question. Now, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on several books, but one book I'm working on now is 21 questions. 21 times in Scripture, God asks man a question. And every time God asks man a question, he's starting class. God is a teacher. God doesn't ask people questions to learn. How can wisdom learn from foolishness? <laughs> The smartest man on the planet is still playing in a sandbox with crayons compared to God. Scientists have not learned anything God didn't know. (laughs) God made wisdom. It's not even that God is wise. He made wisdom. Do you know how much smarter than even wisdom God has to be? If God made wisdom, wisdom is still less intelligent than God. It says God made wisdom and wisdom stood by him and wisdom founded the foundations of the earth. Wisdom is still less smart than God. Wisdom works for God. So God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I need to know what you see because I cannot move for you until your vision agrees with my word. Until you see what I see, everything that belongs to you is going to have to wait. 
Until you see what heaven sees, everything is in pause. Jeremiah, what do you see? I see the rod of an almond tree. God says, good job, Jeremiah. You've well seen. God congratulates a man on seeing correctly. How many people has God said to, what do you see? And we answered incorrectly. How many times has God showed us something and we did not see it fully because we didn't take the time to see before we say? Jeremiah, what do you see? I see the rod of an almond tree. God says, you've well seen. Now, here's the part that I'm getting to. He says, Jeremiah, I will hasten my word to perform it. That word hasten means speed up. I will increase the velocity of my word to make manifest what you've seen. The moment you see correctly what God has spoken over your life, God commands time to speed up, to release what belongs to you. Every time you see correctly, you pull from the future what God has waiting ahead of you. Every time you see correctly what should take 10 years suddenly happens in a year because God says, I don't need time to process you because everything time would have produced in you, the weight of maturity, strength, humility. God says, now that you've seen correctly, your spirit is going to move quick enough that your soul cannot get in the way. So I'm going to pull into your now, your future. Mm. And God pulls from your future resources, healing, miracle. God pulls from your future houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. God pulls from your future connections and relationships that you should not meet for 10 years, but because you kept agreeing with God correctly, God moved you up ahead of the time schedule. And suddenly you bump into someone on an airplane. You meet someone in a mall. You run into someone at a meeting and you recognize you've just made a divine connection. That should have taken you five years to meet them. But God made it happen in five months because you kept agreeing with God. You can make time let go of your destiny. The Lord said to me a few years ago, he said, everything I told you, I have a notebook with every prophetic word the Lord had given me. Everything the Lord had told me growing up, the Lord said, I want you to look at those notebooks. Every single word had been fulfilled. Every word. I've got notebooks and journals, every prophetic word. I said, Lord, you fulfilled everything. This is what he said to me. He said, 30 years you've been walking with me in the prophetic. I'm, I'm young. I, I'm still young. I know some of you, when I said 30 years walking with God, you were like, no, you're too young for that. You, yes. I, I appreciate the shock and the all. Everybody's like, yeah, you look old. I mean, really? Help a brother. Come on now. <laughs> I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years in the prophetic. Began at 16. I'm 46. 
For 30 years, I've seen God fulfill every promise he ever made me. For 30 years, I've seen the power of God move in nations. I've seen the Lord do awesome things. And when I looked at those notebooks, this is what the Lord said. He said, those things that I spoke to you should have taken another 20 years. Because the Lord had originally told me, he said, you will be in your mid-50s to late-60s before all this happens. And it all had come to pass. I said, Lord, what do I do now? This is what he said. You kept trusting me, so I brought it to you quicker than time wanted. He said, so now you tell me what you want. I said, wait, wait, wait. I can tell you. He said, tell me what's in your heart. Write down for me what you've dreamed. I will bring that to pass. I said, Lord, how does this work? He said, you did what was in my heart. Now I'll do what's in yours. He said, we partner together. I say to some of you tonight, if you keep agreeing with God, hold fast to the prophetic word. God is bringing you to a place where he has put inside of you a divine dream from him that you thought would never come to pass. But if you keep believing him, he's pulling into your now divine momentum, supernatural resources, open doors, decrees and designs. God is sending to you people who are committed to walking with you. They will fight beside you until the victory is yours. They will stand in prayer until you see the territory won. God is raising up around you people who will carry your heart and run with you. And all the Lord is saying is, you believed me. Now dream with me. Dream with me. 